you guys got snow a week or so ago. Is that right? We got like the smallest amount here. The other parts <laughs> of the country got a lot, and like even uh, oh, yeah. as we recorded in this, like last night, some parts of the country got got a lot, like enough to to like really shut stuff down. We got just like where I am, we got just like a, a little bit. Uh, I'm very jealous. Um, I know that people don't understand this when they have to live with it, but I'm very jealous of the people that have got like huge amounts of snow right now. And it's because we don't get it, right? <laughs> so I want it because yep. we don't we don't get it. I would love to ha- be able to have like snow that I could go stand in and it would like be up to my waist or whatever. That would be very exciting to me. You know, we should do a show together because that is the perfect segue to what I was going to say, which is I... Uh, grew up in Connecticut, or I've spent my high school years in Connecticut. And my recollection of Connecticut, which is probably not accurate, but the way I remember it is that basically from October, November until like April, Mm -hmm. it was just snow, nonstop snow all the friggin' time. And you had to move it. You had to drive through it. You had to do all sorts of garbage with snow. And it was just annoying. Well, friend of the show, John Voorhees, a.k.a. One True John, he lives in Chicago, <laughs> in the suburbs in Chicago. And yep. yesterday, he sent us three separate messages throughout the day of, I've just come back from shoveling. So like all day, he would <laughs> go out, do a bunch of shoveling, come come back yep. in. Then there'd be more snow, and he'd go out, do a bunch more shoveling. So he hit three separate times yesterday, he was uh, shoveling snow. So I can understand how much of a hassle it would be if it happened a lot um, to that amount and every single year. But, you know, you always want what you don't have. Exactly. And so literally, as I was making that speech a moment ago, literally, as I was saying that my grandmother, my my mom's mom, sent a a text message to uh, her grandkids, including me, with a photo of her uh, porch, which is completely covered. And the message, 26 inches and still snowing, plowed our driveway four times. And they they actually live right near Scranton, coincidentally. So um, they're, they're in a very small town. That's, that's like half an hour from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Um, So yeah. So anyway, so my recollection of Connecticut is that it was nonstop snow and it drove me nuts. And Connecticut was also kind of crummy because they would, uh, excuse me, they would sand the roads rather than salt them. So in order to make the roads passable, they would just turn the entire state into one big sandbox. So your cars were always brown. The The ground was oh, always right. brown. Yep. Everything was brown. And I will never forget one of the times I was returning to Virginia Tech from Connecticut. We had a bunch of snow. And my parents at the time lived almost on the New York state line. It was literally like five or 10 minutes from my parents' house to New York state. Mm-hmm. And... I will never forget one of these times I was leaving to go black to, back to Blacksburg and I was fighting my way through Connecticut. It was all of four or five miles or something like that. I'm fighting to get out of Connecticut and I hit the New York state line and it was like, it was spring because New York salted the roads. So everything melted and it was all beautiful because it wasn't brown garbage everywhere. It was amazing. So anyway, I grew up with that and I eventually, you know, make my way to Richmond and I've been in Richmond since 2008 and in my time in Richmond, there's been, I don't know, five like really and truly significant snows. And we haven't had a snow that stuck since I think around the time Michaela was born in early 2018. Right. And so for all intents and purposes, she does not remember snow. And we actually got uh, like somewhere between two and four inches uh, Sunday. And it was really fun 
to watch uh to watch Michaela like discover it for the first time and to watch Penny discover it for the first time and Declan who has been begging for snow for years literally years was overjoyed um he had heard uh, an old and, and well I guess old wives tale isn't particularly kosher of me is it but he had heard a a a folk superstition tale. a folk tale there you go that um We're all a folk tale progress, that if you Casey. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a fact. You've heard a folktale that if you wear your pajamas inside out, then it'll snow the next day. Okay. And of course, the weather the weather report had pretty much guaranteed it. But he wore his pajamas inside out Saturday night and woke up to snow. And oh my gosh, to see this six year old kid with just pure joy on his face for all this snow, it was it was really delightful. So I'd seen some photos of London with the snow, and I don't know. I I, I don't think of London as as the prettiest like just hear me out before you jump on me like i don't think of london as the prettiest city in the world i don't think of it as you as uniquely pretty like every city is pretty in its own way which yes is unique but like i don't think of it as more pretty than any other city but man a snowy london is something else it's like i see people say about uh new york right like snow in new york is beautiful for 24 hours yeah and then it's just like gray mush yep Anyway, I was I was happy to see you have some snow, and uh, I'm happy to have snow. And it's actually, as we were recording uh, on Tuesday morning, it's actually flurrying ever so slightly, which is kind of fun. And to me, this is the right this is the right amount of snow, enough snow that it sticks for a little while, and it's probably going to go away in you know less than a week. And to me, that is the correct amount of snow. Do that once each year, and I'm happy. And then I never have to deal with it until the next year. Time to air your grievances. Yeah. <laughs> it's the airing of the grievances. Yes. Yes. All right. So we have some of the best listeners in the entire world. And I mean that without sarcasm. I mean it without hyperbole. Like I love all of you. Except when, (laughs) except when (laughs) you, you and me and the listeners share a private moment together. Yeah. When I confess that there are members of the great British Bake Off that maybe I don't find to be as amusing as they claim to be. You were talking about Northfield and like a fool. Mm-hmm. I did not understand the the grievous error in my ways at the time, which is to say, I stand by my opinion, but I should never have said it out loud because oh boy, the internet came and stomped on my face. You 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 can have an opinion, but it was based in in nonsense, you know, like and without any uh logic to it, but you know. Okay, I'm not going to engage with you, but uh-huh. the thing that I would like to, the grievance I would like to air is if you, the listener, think I am wrong about something, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. If you, the listener, would like to tweet at me uh-huh. about how wrong I am, maybe not necessary, but hey, that's fine. Yeah. You want to write me an email? Also not necessary, also fine. Here's where things took a turn, everybody. A handful of people, and this was not irregular would tweet something like, at Casey Liss, you are so wrong. Okay, so far so good. At Noel Fielding, or whatever this person's name is, <laughs> is the best. <laughs> okay. Okay. If you would like, if you hear something that I've said on a, on a podcast, and you would like to tweet at that person, if it's positive, fine, sure, whatever. At Casey Liss. You know, you're right. At Chrissy Teigen is a hilarious follow on Twitter. Yeah. I'm so glad that I follow her too. Right. Okay, great. That's fine. <laughs> At Casey Liss. 
you buffoon. At Noel Fielding is a national treasure. You are a monster. Okay, maybe that's not necessary. You don't really have to call that to Noel's attention because think yeah. about it. As much as I'm snarking, you know, snarking about it, think about it from his point of view. All of a sudden, you know, you're looking at Twitter and you see a bunch of people saying that some dillweed in in, in America thinks you're an idiot. Like, how is that constructive? It wasn't a lot of people, but it wasn't no people. Like, it was just enough. Yeah that it trickled out over a few days because like I was seeing them too. Mm -hmm. um, and I was especially aware of them because you were complaining to me about this, um, right? Like the conversation that we're having now, we have already had. Uh, and it's yeah. funny because we've spoken about this before. Yep. Because I introduced the notion that I had read about, I think to you and other people of snitching. This is called snitching. Mm -hmm. um, so I, you know, snitches get stitches, right? <laughs> so you are now getting, if you were one of these people that snitched, you are now getting verbal getting, stitches from Casey. You are getting your verbal stitches indeed. But this isn't cool. Oh, like, I, I feel this way about a lot of things uh, on Twitter anyway. Like, there's no, you don't have to do it. Like, there's no need. Like, it's fine. It doesn't. Even good or bad, like you don't have to include everyone uh, in in the reply. You know, it's like if someone subtweets, which I argue pro people probably shouldn't do that. Like, don't don't like rat them out in the replies, right? Like, yep. oh, you're mm -hmm. talking about mm -hmm. this, but like, just don't do it. Like, it's not it's not cool, right? Yeah, it's just not cool. And I mean, you really shouldn't do it at all. I agree with that. If you're doing it for something positive, well, okay, then that's fine, I guess. But but doing it for something negative is even when you yourself are showing support, like, yes, okay, you can use me as like the butt of the joke and that's fine. But you're also showing Noel or, or whomever that some other person thinks you're a moron. And that's just not, that's not constructive. Like even if, so like I say, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good example at iMike, you're wrong. Uh, uh, I don't know. Alex Alban is the best F1 driver in the world. Yeah. Well, okay. That's great that I think that Alex is great. And that's great that I'm telling Alex that I think he's great, mm -hmm. but that's still telling Alex that Mike thinks he's a moron, yeah. which isn't necessarily true, but you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just not helpful. It's just not helpful. And something that we were talking about in the pre-show, Mike and I is I am working and I've said this for probably the entire run of analog. I'm working really hard to try still working really hard to try to be more deliberate about what I do and do not tweet. And I'm not doing a great job. I will probably never do a good job at this, but I'm trying. I'm trying really, really hard. And this is one of those times where you just really need to think to yourself, am I adding good to the world or am I just making somebody's day worse? And if you want to disagree with me, like I'd argue that maybe that's not even necessary in the first place, but okay, I've, I've built up a thick enough skin. That's fine. Whatever. Disagree with me. But don't bring in some innocent bystander on this. It's just not helpful. Snitches get verbal right. stitches. That's the deal. That's the deal. So everyone, you're better than this. It's, I don't know. It's one of those things which is so funny about social media in general is it all seems so innocuous, right? Like, it's all so innocuous. And, like, mm -hmm. why, why should... No fielding care, right? Like that's that's right. the, the the thought that people have. Like he doesn't care. He's a celebrity. Like he gets this stuff all the time. 
where I, I think that the, the notion of celebrity has been changed so significantly with social media because up until this point, you had no way of getting your thought to him, mm, right? Mm -hmm. Or to anybody, right? It It's taken down very, very huge barriers in between uh, people with audiences and the audience. And what that has done is... I believe vastly more good for creative people than bad. Um, yep. I think overall in the world, the jury is out on whether social media is a net good or net bad. Mm. So I, you know, I would, I could say that like recent times would suggest net negative, but up until <laughs> maybe, I don't know, the last handful of years, you could probably also make some net positive cases. So I think we have to like, we're at a point now where we're going into like the third act of social media's uh, impact on the world. Right. And I think we're going to see what comes on from, from now onwards. Mm. But uh, one of the things that has happened is that barriers have been reduced between people in general, which means that yeah. someone like Noel Fielding can see what people say about him and could be hurt by it. Because th th there is this notion, I think, that you naturally have, like, oh, they're celebrity, they can take it. But I just, I don't think it works like that. I don't think it's that simple. No, certainly not. They're still human. Yeah. And I think that the, the humanity is lost. Completely agree. But I would like to say on a positive note, um, we did finish the R first, which is actually labeled in Netflix as the eighth season series, whatever, of Great British British Bake Off. This is the one that they did in the tent when uh when it was recorded last year during during COVID. Um I really enjoyed it. I'm not gonna spoil it. Uh the person I most wanted to win didn't, and that's fine. Um, I don't think that they really deserved it but i still wanted them to win but that that's okay uh so here's a question i have for you because i think this happened mm -hmm. to me too this person was in the final didn't win no this person was not oh, in the okay. final the person i'm speaking okay of. And, and we can talk about it you and i after after this is all over but um but anyways uh i i was not dissatisfied with the winner i just it wasn't the the horse i had picked right and that's that's okay that tends to be pretty normal like the, the who's in the final tends to be quite surprising most of the time like mm -hmm. they're because they're all good but it's just it seems like kind of around the middle of the competition everything starts to get really shook up with the bake-off <laughs> it's like who continues past that point so i yeah. again i want to make recommendation two recommendations to you one this season was not as good as a lot of other seasons right like mm -hmm. a lot of covid tv um it's good for right now, but like in the standing, it's not going to be revered. So I recommend mm -hmm. maybe going back to some other seasons if you are interested in watching more. But a far superior show, I don't know if you get, I would say far superior uh, in my eyes um, is Bake Off the Professionals. Oh, interesting. What is that about? Uh, it is the same idea it's made by the same company is a spin-off it used to be called bake off creme de la creme when it was on the bbc i think and now it's on channel four with the rest of the bake off and bake off the professionals is kind of as it sounds it is 
British Bake Off, Great British Bake Off, with professional pastry chefs. So huh. it's done in teams of two. And they are from typically, uh, yeah, I, as Kate is pointing out, I've told you about this like five times, but nevertheless, I'm telling you again. Because you weren't watching Bake Off then, so I don't really think that you had the, the notion for it. Um, right. And Bake Off the Professionals is teams of two. They're professional pastry chefs, usually from hotels or fancy restaurants, and they compete in a competition, but everything is at a much higher standard. Um, they're not learning anything from scratch. They've all made all the things uh, and it's lots of like sugar work, chocolate work, and things break all the time. It's awesome. Uh, I really, I really recommend this show. I don't know how available it is to you, but the judges are fantastic. The hosts are brilliant. Like the hosts are better than any of the hosts on the other Bake Offs, in my opinion, and my favorite uh, host pair. Uh, I yeah. So I, I really, uh, I really, 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 really recommend Bake Off the Professionals. So I was watching this on on Netflix, where it's called The Great British Baking Show, as we discussed. And I also have available to me on Netflix at a glance, The Great British Baking Show Holidays, mm-hmm. The Great British Baking Show The Beginnings, mm-hmm. and finally, The Great British Baking Show Masterclass, which might be what you're talking about. Oh, no, look, it looks like this may be in the tent as well. I don't know it's if It's not that's... in the tent. They do it in, like, it's inside... Yeah, maybe, or maybe this is, I don't know, maybe this isn't the same thing, but I'll, I'll check it out. I'll see what I can do. See if you can find it. It's, well, look, you can find anything, right? <laughs> so I recommend finding it. We've watched, I think, all five seasons and they're all brilliant. Uh, it's my favorite of these types of shows. I also recommend Blown Away. We're not in recommendations right now, uh, but Blown Away is a Netflix uh, competition show about. Oh, this is the, gl- the glass blowing thing. Yeah. There's a second season just come out. We haven't watched it yet. It's fantastic. The first season was so good. So is it actually worth it? Oh, we loved it, man. It's really good. Okay. Everything explodes all the time. You know, I'm not here to make <laughs> friends. It's one of those kinds of shows. But like, it's it's not as peace. It's definitely not peaceful, right? Like Bake Off is, uh, but it's really good. It's also, because it's Netflix, it's all shot in 4K and there's like tons of slow motion glass blowing. It is beautiful as a television show as well as it is entertaining because they just the glass just keeps exploding right like there's so much drama in it it's a good one <laughs> uh, the second season as soon as we're finished with the show that we're currently watching which i'm going to talk about in our real recommendation segment if we get to that today this is what we're going on to next uh, that's fair yeah uh, there's a uh, couple that was like a do-it-yourself or is a do-it-yourself like home renovation blogger or their bloggers and they used to live in Richmond. They've since moved to Florida. And they, the wife and the husband-wife team was talking about this and saying it's incredible. And it was one of those things where I'm like, really? But hearing you say... Oh, man, it's so good. It's really very, very fun. The other thing I'd like to do is go into older seasons of Great British Bake Off and see how we like those. At least try one of them and see what we think. But Yeah, I assume the beginnings are the ones with Mel and Sue. And I would recommend, if that's the case, pick a season from kind of the middle... Right, like mm-hmm. when it's established, uh, and and watch kind of like a middle season. I don't really want to make recommendations to you because the only way that I can really make recommendations from the top of my head is of the people who won. So I would say watch the blank <laughs> season, but that's not good. That's not good at all yeah, to do that's, that. That's not advisable. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we can we can figure it out after the show. Yeah. All right. Uh, you, you know what else we can figure out? Things that are awesome. Okay. 
This episode of Analog is brought to you by our friends over at Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. They let you easily create a website for your next idea or project with a unique domain name, award-winning templates, and so much more. No matter what type of site you want to make, Squarespace has the tools because they're an all-in-one platform to help you get your ideas, your projects, your thoughts online. There's nothing to install or patch or upgrade. They have everything covered for you and they back it all up with award-winning 24-7 and customer support. If you want to make a store, you can do that. A portfolio, you can do that. A site for your business, a blog, your band, an event. Maybe you're working on some uh, online Zoom classes or something like that. You can set up a perfect website for it with Squarespace. They also will let you grab a unique domain name so you can get that name that you want registered to your site. And they are templates, which are award-winning, are absolutely beautiful, super customizable. You can go in and tweak whatever you want, or you can use it just out of the box. It's going to be amazing either way. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. But if you go to squarespace.com analog, not only will you be able to get a trial, free trial of no credit card needed, where you can go in and build your entire website, you can also use the code analog there at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show. That is squarespace.com analog and the code analog for 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for the continued support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. How's puppy life? Ah, uh, puppy life. It is mostly good. Mm. Um, it's definitely ups and downs. Uh, as it's just like an, you know a kid, like a human kid, uh, except it seems everything happens faster and ever so slightly differently. Um, for the most part, things are good. Uh, Penny is pretty well integrated into the family at this point. I'd say uh, we are. We're, we actually were doing extremely well with housebreaking, which I keep calling potty training. Um, and she had been doing a really good job of ringing little bells that we have dangling off the door um, that we use to take her out to go potty. Uh, and so she is associated that if she rings the bells, she will be allowed out to go potty. That's all good. Uh, the last couple of days, though, she's had a couple of accidents after having a day or two that were accident free. So we're having a little bit of a regression there, which which bums me out. Um, we've learned that, of course, she's a puppy and she sleeps a lot, but we, we are coming up with an approximate schedule wherein we know we need to get her up and like playing and active sometime before the humans go to sleep. Otherwise she'll sit in her crate and complain and moan. So generally speaking, if we do a good job of this timing, then I'll have her up like half an hour, 45 minutes before we want to go to sleep. For like 15, 20 minutes, I'll play with her. You know, we'll do tug of war and we'll we'll wrestle with each other or whatever. And then for like the last 20, 30 minutes before Aaron and I go up to sleep, we'll let her kind of cool back down and basically fall asleep. Mm. And then we'll take her, you know, take her to go potty. We'll bring her to a crate. She goes right in. Everyone's happy. She goes right to sleep. Everything's fine. Let me ask you about the crate. So this is like, this is a worse word. It's a more loaded word, but it's the only word I can think of. More like a, like a cage? It's like a a cage with a top on it. So yeah. rather than just like a pen yeah. and a bottom actually for that matter. So rather than a pen, so yeah. like downstairs we have what is actually like a baby human um, play area, like play with a play yard. I forget what the technical term is for, it. but basically it's a, it's a barrier where we can set Penny in there and she can't get out. She could just mess up that area. <laughs> you just right, right. So okay. exactly. And so you 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 would use this sort of thing for like a baby that can crawl. Play pen. You don't want. Yeah. Well, play pen implies something that's small and that the 
the shape never changes. Okay. Um, so a what I'm talking about is like it's a series. Is it the animal wing of the list residence? <laughs> so uh, what I'm talking about for the downstairs is um, it's like several panels that all yeah. interlock. And so you could make them into a rectangle. You could make them into like an, an octagon. You know what I mean? And so um, and so that's downstairs. And that's where we put her if we're like really in a position that we can't pay attention to her for a little while. And she just needs to be safe and by herself. Sure. The crate is a a box yeah. like, made of metal yeah. with a floor on it that we will set her in for the evening time. And she gets locked in there, but yeah. she only goes in there for the evening uh, when she's sleeping. I know other people that have done this, like friends and my brother uh, and his wife when they got their dog. My assumption is, I don't know if this is the case. This is not forever. That's our intention. Right. So, so the intention is is that you do this particularly when housebreaking because dogs, generally speaking, don't like to ick their sleeping area, and so that will encourage her to not go potty in the crate and instead fuss and whine and bark mm. and ask to be let out. Which, granted, fussing and whining and barking, particularly at three in the morning, is not delightful, but it's a Better far more a delightful alternative. Operation. Exactly, yeah. and she's actually. Uh, now I'm totally going to jinx it. Let me rock on my uh, knock on my relay cube that's made of of wood here. Uh, she has not yet made an oops in the crate. She's always been very good since the day we got her of fussing and moaning when she wants to go out. Mm. Um, but and and so the idea is the crate becomes her like safe space, and she wants to be in the crate because that's her area. Yeah. That's her area yeah. that nobody really messes with. And in the future, what we'll probably do is that we will we will offer her the crate, but instead of closing the door to it, we'll just leave it open. Yeah. And if she desires to sleep there, fine. If she desires to sleep somewhere, sleep somewhere else, that's fine too. And then like eventually moving to just a bed, like a dog uh, bed. Well, potentially, yeah. yeah. Pot potentially. But my understanding is a lot, not all, but a lot of crate trained dogs tend to like being in the crate because it's a small space. It's a safe space. People will make the argument that dogs are like, you know, like way back, you know, millennia ago, liked living in caves, which are small, dark spaces. So they kind of like being enclosed. I'm not saying that's true, but there's an argument for it. How big's a cave? Uh, her crate or an actual cave? Yeah, like a cave. Like I'm so I, I don't know if I buy this. Like, oh, I'm how hey, big I'm are not caves? Sure I do either. Like they're huge. Well, they're bigger than a house. Well, I think a cave was probably too strong a word, right. like a nook in the side of like a hill or something like that, you know, like a <laughs> hobbit house, if you will. But, okay. Uh, but anyways, um, so the accidents notwithstanding, uh, last night, our, my timing was very wrong on riling her up before bed. So the good news was, you know, if you rile her up a little while before bed, she'll generally at this point um, sleep pretty much the whole night. Like she'll get us up a little earlier than we want, but not, you know, egregiously so. And every, And everyone's happy. If we don't do that, she'll wake up at like five and be raring to go, which is not good. So the good news was to, to this morning, she woke us up at like 6, 15, 630, something like that, uh, which is only a little while before I would want her to get up. But when we put her in the crate last night, I don't think she had had the appropriate amount of cool down, cool down time. And she was furious. And so the kids have been asleep for like two hours at this point. And all I hear is I'm trying to brush my teeth and do my bedtime routine is, and I'm like, oh my God, please stop. Please, you're waking up the kids. Stop, stop, stop. And you can't say that to her because she's not doing anything like malicious. Do you talk to Penny? Uh, some for sure. Mm. Not not in the way that I'm implying, but we're trying to teach, you know, basic commands. She does sit very well. 
lie down is 50-50. We're really, really working on down, as in get off the goddarned couch, uh, but that is not going well. No, I don't mean <laughs> um, like training noises. I mean like have a little chat. Uh, a little bit. And God. the thing that I've noticed is, uh, and it drives me nuts, is that I do the baby voice even when I try not to. So it's mm. not, hey, how you doing, Penny? It's, oh, what you doing? What you doing, little girl? You know, mm. and it's like the stupid baby voice that I hate when other people do, and now I can't resist doing it myself. Yeah. Um, so in any case, uh, all in all, things are going well. It's also been very funny um, watching friend of the show and, and former guest on the show, uh, Faith, she coincidentally adopted her dog, I believe the exact same day that we adopted Penny. And so watching uh, she and Steve and her husband uh, going through what they're going through has been extremely refreshing because they're having a lot of the same trials and tribulations as uh, as Aaron and I are. And so that's been very good. And it's also been a nice excuse to, you know, say something to Faith because not that, you know, I can't, but it's nice to have a reason to be like, hey, how's it going? What's going on with the dog? What else is going on? You know, and so on. Mm -hmm. uh, but all in all, things are good. Uh, Penny is getting her vaccinations now. There was a little bit of agita with that because she was sick. She's getting her vaccinations. So we're almost at the point that we can like go anywhere with her. Um, this vaccinations obviously are a sore subject these days. <laughs> but, um, Such a loaded word now. Oh God, it's so true. But we we have been uh, approved to go around the neighborhood on walks, which is excellent. Okay. Um, which is an improvement over being locked into basically our property. Uh, and then soon in the next like month or two, we'll be able to go to like a park once the weather gets a little nicer and stuff. So all in all, everything's good. It's, it's, you know, forward progress with definite steps in the wrong direction here and there. Good. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's as good as I think can reasonably be hoped. Yeah. Now you, sir, mm. you just a couple of days back had a birthday. Mm -hmm. Happy birthday. Thank you. Yep. So how was that during lockdown? <laughs> Uh, I mean, like it, people, um, we kind of keep making these kind of comments, you know, like assuming there's no way to enjoy a birthday uh, properly, right? If you can't go and do something, and I had a very COVID birthday, so like <laughs> we had a uh, Adina arranged everything, and we had a Zoom wine tasting. Oh, interesting. With like professionals or? Yeah, like a sommelier. Uh, oh, that's he, cool. She arranged it with this guy. He sends a bunch of little bottles of wine, like, like little plastic bottles. And he tried them and stuff. And it was, I enjoyed trying out the wine. At wine, I keep getting corrected, wine and cheese tasting. But I didn't really eat as much <laughs> of the cheese. And it was more about the wine on this. And uh, it was like a large group thing which was kind of it was it was interesting because i prefer group to one-on-one -on -one okay. okay because i would there's too much focus on me if it's just like we're just like one-on-one -on -one mm. with this guy but because there was a group it was a quite a large group it's just you know large groups of people on zoom some of them not working out how to mute their microphone uh mm. that kind of stuff mm -hmm. you know but basically uh we did get something out of it we would kind of just making fun and having like laughs of our own but it was nice <laughs> to do the wine tasting thing as like a base for doing other things like this i still have right. a a <laughs> a like constant moving um uh, experience from my last birthday that stephen bought me which was a wine tasting masterclass which <laughs> i had to just keep moving on right i think i mentioned this i, I paid them like 
15 pounds to extend it for another year or something. Yeah, you said that on either Upgrade or um, on Cortex, I think one or the other. I forget which one. Yeah, and so we just kept moving that along forever. Uh, got a key lime pie as a birthday cake. Excellent. That's an interesting choice as a birthday cake. I don't like typical birthday cake. I, 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 yeah. not, I don't dislike it, but like I don't like super love it. So I always tend to like different things. Tiramisu cakes have been a popular one in this house over the last few years. But key lime pie was very good. Um, meal kits from favorite restaurants, you know, like that is very, very pandemic, you know, like can't yep. go out for a restaurant, but we're going to bring it all in. I had a great time. Like, so here's the thing. I do not like to celebrate birthdays with group activities. Interesting. Why is that? Mm, it's a bit of a sore spot, but like in my late teens to early 20s, uh, I was let down a lot by friends in these types mm. of environments. We, we've talked about this. I think we've spoken once, about think, it before. Now that you say that. We're really doing our greatest hits today, folks. Just the hits <laughs> today. Uh, so I don't like to... I, I, I don't like birthdays be, like in that regard because it sets up too much expectation that if you're let down, it's way, it's way harder feeling. So it, for a, many years, I've not wanted to... I don't, I don't want to do things with people on my birthday. Uh, I'm, I just much prefer low key. So this was about as low key as it could be. Like really, honestly, the only major difference from how we would have celebrated my birthday if we weren't in on COVID would be we probably would have eaten at a restaurant and probably would have stayed in a hotel in London. Like that. Mm, the, aside mm-hmm. from that, I don't think it would have been that much more different most likely because that's the kind of thing that we would typically do so i don't feel like i lost out like i had a great birthday i I really loved it it was nice and relaxed i had a, like a day or two where i wasn't doing any work and i felt very spoiled like it was wonderful i did want to point out something that was really interesting to me so you get cards and messages right mm-hmm. and most the vast majority of messages from friends and family had some element of can't wait until we can see you again or hope you're able to still have a nice birthday given the circumstances <laughs> that kind of thing i would like to make a recommendation to people if you have a friend or family member who has a birthday coming up ease off that like mm. i am guilty of doing it I, I did it to you. You did it to me. Uh, I just, my, my, it's my dad's birthday at the end of this week, and I'd already arranged for a card for him, and so I'd sent it. But because as the birthday e, I, <laughs> I don't know what the I'm phrase with you. would be. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. you are getting a lot of these messages with some kind of sentiment of this from everyone you know all day. And it, you mm. cannot escape it. And it's a lot because you are constantly being reminded of the fact that you can't enjoy your birthday properly. And so my recommendation is try and limit the reliance on this for loved ones in their birthday messages. 
That's interesting. I never would have thought of it that way until you said something, and now I've learned. And I apologize for contributing. Don't apologize. I'm not looking for apologies because I've done it too. Because why wouldn't you? Because you are showing some kind of care to that person where you're like, I really wish that we were together. I can't wait until we can be so I can show you how much I love you, right? Like, it's perfectly nice. But when you get like 20 of them, 30 of them, right? One Mm. after another, it's a bit like, oh yeah, like I, this is sad, huh? So I don't have any suggestions for what you could replace it with. And I'm not saying for people to replace it as, as much as just like, it's just something to think about. Like I'm now going to keep this in mind for other friends and family members as their birthdays come up over the next year or so, just because it's a bit like, it's a bit overwhelming as a sentiment um, on a day where you are trying your best to celebrate in a, in a situation where you wouldn't normally be celebrating. So just, it's the thought of like an, an extra thought, like that's what I'm going to do now. So for other, I was just having an extra thought, um, maybe not even mentioning it at all. Yeah. In my typical birthday message, you wouldn't say to me, can't wait until I can see you next. Or you wouldn't do that. <laughs> so you could send your sure. typical birthday message. And I don't know about, I mean, you can, people can kind of make this assumption about the people in their lives. But if you would have sent me a message that was just like, happy birthday, I hope you're having a really great day. Like, hope that, you know, like, but like the, the kind of normal message, I wouldn't have been like, hey, where's my COVID message? <laughs> now you can make that decision about people in your life, right? There might be like certain family members, and I know this for myself, where I would have to make that note, right? Mm, of like, mm-hmm. I want to be with you now. I want you to know that I want that, but I can't do it, right? There are certain people in your life where you might know that they're only going to be happy if you say that to them, right? Right? But there might be other people who you think, it would. It isn't going to bother them so much. Like they're not going to feel like they're being shortchanged unless it's perfectly um, choreographed. So it was just right. an observation I had. This this isn't a thing that bothered me like big time, but it was just. Uh, it was like one of those things where I was like, "Huh," and so I thought I would share it. Yeah, it might be a bit late now. Uh, to be honest, <laughs> well, no, but it isn't. Because my birthday is shortly after we record the next episode of Analog. It's mid-March. And I think this one is going to be a really tough one for me because we, the Liss family, the last like semi-normal day the Liss family had was the 13th of March, 2020. Mm. We, we had a lunch out that day. We knew that it was a Friday. We knew that Declan would be off from school, from preschool for a couple of weeks after that. But at that point, it was like the last semi-normal day that we had. And my birthday celebration was scheduled to be the following week. And we were going to go to one of my favorite barbecue places here in town that I brought up a lot recently. Um, and they have like an outdoor patio and they have an indoor area. Um, and we were, we were, I was going to basically compel our family to come together. And I was, and I told them, look, you know, this place is a little bit expensive. So in lieu of like gifts or anything like that, just come meet me for lunch Mm. and we'll all go to lunch together on like a Saturday or a Sunday. And we'll have this barbecue that I really think is incredible. And we'll all enjoy some time together. And that was supposed to be something like the 20th of March or whatever. And so that never happened. I never 
had that much of a birthday celebration. I mean, obviously Erin did the best she possibly could given that everything was brand new. Um, but, but I didn't have that much of a birthday. And this year I think I'm going to be strongly associating my birthday with it being a year, an entire year since we, the list family entered lockdown. Mm -hmm. And granted we have changed our techniques in certain ways over the last year. We've, we've gone places occasionally over the last year. We are certainly not the most locked down people on the planet, but amongst our peers, amongst our family, we remain some of the most locked down people <laughs> that we know. And, and it is to be completely honest, it's uniquely depressing that this has been going on for, well, not uniquely, maybe that's not unfair, but like from, from the completely myopic and selfish perspective from my two eyeballs, it's uniquely depressing that this has been going on for a year. And for that reason, in some ways, I'm actually kind of dreading this birthday and it, it it's decent timing because this is 39 for me. And so it's kind of better that it's not a milestone year, but nevertheless, I'm uh, in many ways, I'm really not looking forward to this birthday and I'm kind of bummed about it, but you know what else, you know, you know what would cheer me up a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> really? Cause I have something that would cheer me up. Okay. If I could like know that my internet traffic yeah. was secure, yeah. that would cheer me up a lot. Yeah. It would. Do you know of any way I could do that? Yeah. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. <laughs> we all know how a VPN can protect your privacy, your security online, but it can also take your TV watching to the next level by unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries. I have done this many times. This is great for me. Um, I have used it to catch uh, the ends of shows on Japanese Netflix that aren't going to be released in the UK for a long time. Uh, I've mentioned this a bunch of times, but when we were watching Shit's Creek, which is on Netflix in the UK, and it was on network television in, um, in other places, but Netflix was getting it late. We used mm -hmm. Netflix... Uh, we used... Um, when we were away, we were on... I think we were in Romania at the time. We were able to use... Uh, ExpressVPN to log back into our UK Netflix so we could watch the end of the show. I've done this a bunch of times, but I also have used ExpressVPN to get around Bananas GDPR like uh, restrictions. Like there are st still some websites in the US that won't show me their articles, like news websites, because they never bothered to do GDPR stuff because their advertising practices are so wild. Um, so I can say like, oh, hey, I'm in LA or whatever, and it will show me the mm -hmm. the website. So super useful because ExpressVPN hides your IP address. So you're able to control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries. So imagine all the different libraries of content you could go through. So if you love anime, you can use uh, Japanese Netflix with ExpressVPN, but it works with any streaming service, Hulu, iPlayer, YouTube, anything you want. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but ExpressVPN is ridiculously fast when you want to watch these shows. No buffering, no lag. You can stream in HD, and it's compatible with all your devices, your smartphones, media consoles, smart TVs, so you can watch whatever you want, whenever you want. If you go to expressvpn.com analog, you can get three extra months of ExpressVPN for free. You're able to support this show and watch what you want and protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash analog. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and Relay FM.
That was a uh, that was an aggressive segue even for me. It was one of the what would you call it? Best, best or worst? worst? Best. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> oh goodness! You know what is actually turning my uh, frown upside down a little bit these days? I don't know. You tell me. I have gone what like two weeks ish, mm-hmm. something like that, not having to worry every single waking moment if the Republic is crumbling. Right. I have gone like two-ish weeks where I haven't had to worry about my country still being there in 10 minutes or the next day or the next month. Now, granted, we have a long way to go. Granted, things are not perfect. Granted, a lot is still very, very broken. But the fact that I'm not always stressing about this oh it's so refreshing mike it's so so refreshing the republic mm-hmm. is that a phrase you use not typically and certainly not me personally right. i think that is strictly speaking correct i'm no government wonk by any stretch of the imagination but i think what is america is a democratic republic is that right something like that i shouldn't be asking you of all people but <laughs> nevertheless um yeah so uh, when did we record last in the land of the free, home of the brave. Uh, we recorded last the day before the insurrection. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, we did. Oh, God. Yeah, we did. <sighs> yeah, and so for those who don't listen live, um, we actually did spend what probably like 15 minutes talking about politics and, and whatnot. Yeah. And at the end of the recording of that show, on the 5th of January, Mike and I spoke to each other and we're like, yeah, we're probably gonna have to cut that. And then, but yeah, you know, we, I think where we had left it, if my, if my memory serves is, Hey, you know, Jim, why don't you see what you think? And mm. if you think you should cut it, just cut it. And if you don't, that's fine. And then there was the sixth. Yeah. And then on January 7th, we're like, no, definitely just, you just yeah. lift that entire chapter just straight out of the show. It just yep. didn't work and that's in the context. Like basically no, the conversation was mostly like. I was doing my best to try and say to you, like, don't, you know, everything's going to be okay. Like, you're going to get through this, like, have some hope. And <laughs> it just didn't work. Um, it, it, you know, it, it, it just seemed, seemed so strange. It, it would have seemed so weird yeah. to have that conversation uh, afterwards because we record on Tuesdays, release on Sundays. And so it just, it just didn't work. So we just ended up removing that whole section from the show. Um, you know, we've done it. It's not the first time we've done it. Sometimes you have conversations that the world changes around you. And this is why I tend not to like um, leaving any time really between recording and release. Uh, but for this show, it's just this is just how we do it. We like to release the show on Sundays. Typically, because it's just stuff that's happening in our lives, it's, we, don't, we don't get hit by this a lot. But uh, we made the same mistake that we made in 2016. <laughs> yep recording before the election it was it was kind of silly to to record but like look you know i don't i think a lot of people were expecting not a great day uh on um because it was what was it it was just like there was like a big march oh it was because of, they were doing that thing with the electoral college right right so they were certifying the election results on yeah. the 6th and then it was what the 20th that biden you know, all at the time we thought yeah. it was a given, but at the, t- the the 20th was when he actually became president yeah. and that had its own minor drama. But this was the last like legal hurdle, right? It's just one, it's just one thing. Right. But so it was right. expected that it wasn't going to be a great day. Uh, but I don't think many people 
realistically expected what actually ended up happening. So, yeah. and we're not looking to like armchair quarterback that's what been happened done on to the death. six. Like, yeah, that, that, that's not the point yeah. of this conversation. It's not the point of the show. This context. Yes, I'm sure things could have been handled differently. I'm not. That, that's not the point. But the point is, we recorded on the fifth, and you know, Mike, you know, bless your heart, Mike, you were trying your darndest to to bring me out of the dumpster yeah. because that's kind of where my feelings were at the time, and. And then, you know, literally 24 hours later, we're, I'm, I'm watching what seems to be at the time the literal crumbling of of my country. Mm-hmm. And that was that was some pretty, pretty bad whiplash. But on the 20th, well, everyone, everything got certified on the 6th. It, you know, Biden became president on the 20th. Um, when I remember vividly coming home from work to work from home on the day that Obama was inaugurated for the very first time, you know, when, when, when he won and, and, and was inaugurated in 09. Is that right? And I remember watching it on TV and thinking, this is incredible. This is m- momentous. This is, this is monumentous. It, it's, it's something I will remember for a long, long time. And I do remember it. It was in a different kind of incredible. And in so many ways, even more incredible. Yeah, watching Biden get elected. Yeah, I think it was more than just "Hey, my person won." Yeah, and it's more than that. For not not to put words in your mouth, like I, yeah, obviously Obama was a lot. Oh uh, yeah, I guess it was different for Obama, right? Because like, right. I mean, that was why I think it meant something to me at the time, where it was like the first non-white uh, president. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And for Biden, like on paper. It's the same as it ever was. Old, 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 old white guy. Woo. But there's there's a lot that's different. You know, it's he's what, like the second or third or fourth Catholic, I think, in office, something like that, which I mean, personally, I couldn't possibly care less about what religion you are, but whatever. I'm not really sure how that's significant in any way, personally, but. Yeah, well, there's that. Um, you know, Kamala Harris is is the first woman vice president. Um, first, you know, black, first, uh, first Asian, Asian American, descent. first African. Yeah, it's like. So many trailblazing things from her. Um, and watching this inauguration, even though everything that I was watching was backwards and upside down, right? There was almost no one there. There wasn't that much pomp and circumstance. I mean, there was probably the same amount as always, but it didn't seem over the top as it always does. Um, there was no crowds. You know, everyone was spaced out. Everyone's in masks. In so many ways, it was so wrong. And yet... I'm standing there watching and I'm watching and I'm feeling this weight just being lifted off of me. I'm feeling it disappear Mm -hmm. and I'm looking over at Aaron and Aaron, uh, it's unfair of me to to kind of bring her in on this, but uh, there's a point I'm trying to make. She feels very strongly about women's rights and, and that women are equal to men um, and, and all of the standard things that a woman in 2021 would and should feel. She's not outwardly vocal about it most of the time, not even with me. Like, it's just not something that she, you know, beats her chest and screams, you know, out into the distance. But watching her watch this glass ceiling break was also incredible. Mm. And in and of itself was worth the price of admission, so to speak. And and it was really phenomenal watching her fight back tears for what felt like an hour as all of this pomp and circumstance was happening and watching her see someone that to at least some degree looks like her become one would uh, an American anyway, would argue the second most powerful person in the world. 
not actually saying that's true, but we're American. Yeah, I mean, even I think even to Americans, the vice president is not the second most powerful person. Fair. Anyway, you know what I'm driving at, like, though. You know what I'm driving yeah. at, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know. What, I know. What you, I know what you're getting at. It was super cool. I I enjoyed that uh, Harris could not keep her excitement in, which yeah. I I, I kind of <laughs> like that. Uh, it was like it was like a human moment. Like she was clearly so bursting at that moment mm-hmm. of inauguration. Mm-hmm. I I liked it because I watched it. You know, it was it was good for me. It fell in between two shows that I was recording that day. Like it was just like perfectly timed, so I could watch the actual inauguration thing i didn't watch the like big celebration thing that happened later in the day because it was just it was just too late i didn't even know that was a thing until after the fact and mm-hmm. i i recorded i, I youtube dl'd it the next day so i could watch it and i still haven't gotten around to it but but we watched the whole inauguration for sure and it i i actually am curious from the perspective like taking off any american hat clothes whatever that you may wear and, and i don't mean that in an offensive way but obviously you you ha- so much of your life for better or worse, revolves around American people, American things. For you, putting on your top hat, you know, putting on your monocle, Mm -hmm. this typical Brit definitely does. What was it like for you? Like, does this feel like a big deal? Or was it just like, ah, whatever, stupid Americans being stupid again? Well, of course it's a big, I mean, like, you know, it's a big deal because your president always affects everyone. Yeah. Right. It's it's the good and bad of America summed up in one thing. Right. Mm. That mm-hmm. the president of America affects the entire world. So when you have a bad one, it's bad on all of us, and we don't get to vote. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So somebody of sense uh, sitting in the White House is really great for the rest of the world, especially <laughs> especially because. The American president can bomb anyone. Yeah. It's very unlikely the American president's going to bomb America, right? You have the ability <laughs> to you see how I say it's not possible? <laughs> very unlikely. Uh so like you have the military that can trump ha, huh, oh god. The military that can oh, outweigh no. <laughs> most other militaries. And also yeah, yeah, if yeah. you decide as a country to get involved, you're going to really push everyone else to get involved, mm-hmm. right? Like, if America decides it wants to go to war with somewhere, well, all right, off we go too then. So, you know, <laughs> the, it's, it's, it's tough, so I'm happy now to see there being a much more reliable individual in the Oval Office. Yeah. And I mean, again, I can't stress enough, like, not everything is perfect. It's far from it. And certainly nothing is going to be perfect immediately. And I don't, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, we've come back to the first hundred days. I don't know if this bleeds over across the sea, but here in America, uh, somehow, some way, and I honestly don't know how, I'm sure there's an explanation somewhere, but someone decided, and it's become a thing, that the first hundred days of a presidency is when all the important crap happens. Well, that's when you've got you to clean the decks, right? Like, you get, it's like a time period that everyone's looking at you, and you get to reverse all the stuff that you don't agree with. And Yeah. 
So the first hundred days is, you know, what we're already talking about it. But I tell you, the first hundred hours were pretty friggin' good in my book. <laughs> it's like immediately uh, we re we made motions to rejoin the rejoin the Paris Climate Accords or whatever the formal name of it is. Um, I forget there was a bunch of stuff that happened mm -hmm. straight away. Um, I think well, I'm going to get my details wrong, but it was. I think the LGBTQ plus uh, military ban is being rescinded or something like that. Again, I, I apologize. I think I, think I have the, my details the, wrong. The Muslim ban too, which is of people um, yes. like the, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. traveling into America, even though nobody can travel <laughs> into America. <laughs> but at least the right. executive order has been reversed. Right, um, exactly. And again, I, I'm not trying to say Biden's perfect. In, in fact, he was not the candidate I wanted the Democrats to put up. But Not my president. Yeah, right. but one way or another, it appears that there are adults in charge again, and that in and of itself is incredibly refreshing. And they also look cool, which I enjoy. Uh, like I follow <laughs> uh, the president, like the post account, and I don't know if mm -hmm. I know I follow I, I follow Kamala Harris's account, but I don't know if it's the VP account. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, no, I do follow that one too. And it's just I like I like seeing them walk around and you know, yep. they look yep. cool yep. and and it's just I don't know. It just feels more nice. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, this isn't this isn't a new observation. We were saying this before I've heard other people say it, like I don't really have to think about him. Yep. He's isn't just that amazing off doing his thing. Like I don't have to see him. I don't have to feel like he wants my attention. Uh, he's just out there doing his thing. Like, if I want to see what Biden's up to, like, I follow the POTUS thing. I didn't follow Donald Trump on anything, right? I actually yep, blocked same. his accounts so I wouldn't see retweets. But I can, I choose, I choose because I want to see him because I get some sense of, like, pride in the world that things are mm -hmm. shifted back to a, a better place. So... You know. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it, you know, I'm sure you saw this video. It's it made the rounds, certainly in America, and I bet it bled over. Uh, Anthony Fauci, the Dr. Anthony Fauci, is the the head of kind of the coronavirus task force, among many other Isn't things. He the head of the CDC? Isn't that his I thing? I think so. I think that's right. I don't know. I probably have the details wrong, but based one way or another, he's the one that's really trying to get us out of this ditch, right? And somebody put together a side by side video of um, Fauci at a press conference with trump and his cronies and surely they <laughs> yes. chose like the least uh, flattering video uh -huh. i'm I, I don't doubt it and then they put together a press conference with fauci and biden and his cronies and i'm sure they chose of the like two or three press conferences that had happened at this point i'm sure they chose the one that was most flattering and most and whatever it looked younger which was very funny younger. to me it yep like he's he's like I, I see the video, he's like rubbing his head, rubbing the back yep. of his head. It's like it's very funny yeah. to me. It's incredible. And so as much as I joke, whatever your political beliefs. Uh, he's not the head of the CDC. He's the head of the task force. Okay, so I was right. Mm -hmm. um, so whatever your political beliefs may be, I personally am of the opinion that you should believe in science. Science doesn't have politics. Well, it does. It, no, well, it really does. But okay, let's just, just don't. Let's not. Well, I'm not going to well. Politics isn't today. everything. Well, that's true. But I think you should believe in science. But not everyone in this country thinks that at the moment. And so, seeing that the Biden administration is at least paying lip service to believing in science, much less actually believing in science. Oh my God, Mike, it's so refreshing. 
oh my God, it's so refreshing. It's so nice to hear them say, we will take a science-driven approach to figuring out coronavirus, to figuring out global warming, to et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It, it's, oh my God, it's so, it's so refreshing. And uh, two, two re- you know, relatively well-to-do white people talking about this, only one of whom is actually American. Like, we're probably not the best you source of me. this. But I know, I know. But, um, but ultimately, I think it's important to both of us even if we're not the most affected and afflicted by these changes, it's still important to us. And even as a white guy who really wasn't that directly affected by Trump's presidency, oh my God, it's such a relief. Oh my God, Mike, it's such a relief. I cannot even begin to say. You can, and we are relieved for the people who were most hurt. Yeah, a thousand percent, a thousand percent. Right, like in my daily life, I was not that affected except from an anxiety perspective by Trump. Same way that like, even in my own country, the people most affected by some of the policies from my government is not me. But I feel bad for those people. Yep, completely agree. You know, my, in, my, in our last German election, I voted for the Labour Party, which had its own set of circumstances which are not good, right? Like, I'm not going to get into all of it, but the, the the leader of the labor previous leader of the labor party, I don't I don't know how good of a person he was, but the overall policy of the party seemed better for people that needed more help. Like for mm-hmm. me as a small business owner, financially it would have been wor- I would have been worse off, but that felt like the right thing to do. Right. Right. Because, you know, it's like it's there are people that need assistance and help more than I do. And so I was I wanted to vote for the party that I felt could best make the most impact to help the people who are most needed. Yep. Similarly, where it's like very, very, very confident that I will be paying a lot more in taxes after the pandemic than I was before. But I'm happy to do that because that is because people needed the financial assistance. Sure. So what you going to do? I mean, you're not going to help them. You should help them. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough, but all, all in all, I'm just, I'm so relieved. I also follow, you know, the, their accounts on Instagram. And even though it's such, it's such like American rah, 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 like we're the best. I mean, it's not as egregious as it often is, but it's still ultimately, you know, go America, USA, USA. It's nice. It's just, it feels good to be enthusiastic about your country for just a hot second. You know, it, that's something I haven't felt in four years. And it feels good to not be miserable to be an American. I mean, I still am a lot of the time, but you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I don't know. It just feels good. It feels refreshing. It feels so refreshing to not have to live and breathe politics as someone who, for better and worse, doesn't usually have to live and breathe politics. But you know what? You know what feels really good? Just is let when me you're, do the it, ad. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm trying so hard. Fine. Please just let Fine. me do I'm it. I'm taking my ball let and I'm me, going home. Let me do it. <laughs> Fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. Fine. Whatever. This episode is brought to you by Pingdom. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. No matter how good your content or how effective your marketing, they'll most likely bounce if your website's loading too slowly or not at all. 
With real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discuss how website performance issues affect your visitors' experiences so you can take action before your business is impacted. How your visitors experience your website differs depending on the browser, device, and platform that they use. So you want to identify how visitors are experiencing your website so you're able to make informed optimizations and deliver a great performance to those who matter most. Real user monitoring is an event-based solution, so it's built for scalability, meaning you can monitor millions of page views without compromising the fidelity of your historical data or breaking the bank in the process. Get live visitor insights today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM for a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code analog at checkout and get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. That's pingdom.com slash RelayFM and the code analog to get a 30-day free trial and 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and Relay FM. Do we have time for recommendations? I think we do. Excellent. So what you got? The West Wing. That's uh, that's an interesting choice back mm-hmm. from when I was in college. When was this new? Um, It started just before 2000, I think. Like maybe oh, like so 98, high school, 99. Then. Uh, wow. And then rolled through to the early 2007 season show. We're not done yet. No spoilers. We're currently on season six. Been absolutely steaming through it. I have been wanting to watch this show for years because it's it's always recommended. People, you know, it's like a it's like a great show. But I wanted to, I wanted to wait until I was at a point where I felt like I could accept some view of American politics. As like a <laughs> sensible, logical thing at its core, because that's what I had assumed that the show would at least sure. be showing something good about the American political system. And I'm very pleased I kept waiting because you know it's become a joke in our household at the moment of how many times like America is referred to as like leader of the free world, like all that kind mm. of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like there's no way that I would have been able to accept this show any time before now in, in the last five years or so. Because um, and one of the things that I love about this show is the idealistic view of politics. I can understand that. There is something very soothing about it that you can at least be led to believe that at least one set of people, as it's shown in the show, care about people and trying <laughs> to do the best for people. Sure. You know, and, and they are stuck in a malaise of like being the minority in Congress and that kind of stuff. I'm not going to go deep into spoilers here, by the way, for The West Wing. Like, don't worry about that if, if you do want to watch it. Um, but I just find there's something so soothing in seeing a group of political leaders who, by and large, are trying to do the best thing for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that is, like, at my core, as a person who tries to be optimistic, it is always my hope that that's what's going on. And these things do not manifest themselves in real life as much as I wish that they would. Well put. But I like to believe that there is at least some group of people that are trying to do their best as elected officials for the people that they represent. Whether that goes with or against them, right? Like, I also like to believe that elected officials will do what they think is right, even if it means upsetting certain lobbies or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm. Imagine that. Imagine that. But like, that's what I, 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 I feel better as an individual in choosing to believe that there is at least a contingent 
of politicians that believe this stuff and work this way. And the West Wing is a representation of that. Like even all the way up to the president as a person who is trying to do their best. Mm. Um, I love the way the show looks. It is the darkest show on television. I don't think, I think there was a power cut at the West Wing because <laughs> there is no light in this show. It's a really a very beautiful, like all of the, and it's, you know, it's, it, you're being smacked in the face with a metaphor of all of this stuff is done in the shadows, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, do you get it yet? Right? I think, yeah, no, I, I thank you, Aaron, so I'm going to get it. But it, it does, I think, make the show look quite unique. Um, I think especially for, for American television, like it's quite dark, probably at a time before shows were dark. There are a lot of dark mm. TV shows now. Like if your show is dark in tone, there's no light in it. Um, but I don't know if that's necessarily a thing that was occurring at the time. Uh, I think it's very thoughtful and engaging. It's smart. It's a smart show, right? Like there's a lot going on. You've got to try and keep up. And, you know, it's very Aaron Sorkin in that way. Like this is Aaron Sorkin's kind of big break. But if you've seen other stuff that he's done, a lot of walking, a lot of talking, a lot of talking, <laughs> like just a lot, a lot of things being said by everyone all the time. Uh, so you have to really pay attention. But I, I like it for that. I like thought provoking shows, I like smart shows. Um, Formas is great. It has great comedy too. Again, like smart comedy. Sure. Uh, there's there's some slapstick comedy too in places, but it's smart comedy, and I also really like. I adore this television show. It's sublime. It's wonderful. It's a triumph. I love it. Uh, we have steamed through it. You know, it's like seven seasons, twenty something episodes a season, forty five minute episodes, and we're already at season six. We started it like two or three weeks ago. I'm just you know. Just destroying it. It's fantastic. It we bought the whole thing on iTunes. It's like sixty pounds or something, and it seems to be in pretty like they seem to have done a HD restoration on it. Uh, yeah, it's just you know, oh man, I I love it. I absolutely love it. I really thoroughly recommend it. If you've not seen it before, or if you've not seen it in a long time, uh, you know, I hear from a lot of people. I've mentioned this. Like, oh, I've watched it since it was out. Well, that was like best part of twenty years ago now. So it might be worth giving it another go. Yeah, I've never never seen it. I've heard it universal praise for it. And was it on Upgrade or maybe uh, Upgrade Plus? You and Jason talked about it, and I thought that was a good conversation. We're talking about an Upgrade Plus a bit, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I should give it a shot at some point. I, I feel like a little bit of uh, paralyzed with choice as to what the next thing is we're going to watch. Like, should we watch more, you know, Bake Off? Should we do something else? And and uh, there's some things I'm going to talk about in a minute that I want to try. So yeah, I, I should put it on the queue though, one way or another. Any other recommendations? Uh, yeah, I also wanted to make one more because it's super timely for now and otherwise I'm going to forget. Uh, Neil Patel at The Verge hosts a show called Decoder, which is like interviews with typically CEOs or like people in uh, tech somewhere, but like high up in tech. Mm-hmm. But he uh, also, he recently had an interview with Marcus Brownlee, MKBHD. It's awesome. So good. Um, I'm such a huge fan of Marcus Brownlee. Like he's an inspiration to me as a person and as a creator and as a business owner. And it was fascinating to hear him talk through his process as all of those things. And also I've really loved hearing some of the juxtapositions between Nilay Patel and how he thinks about creative work and journalism and business 
compared to MKBHD because Patel is in the old world, right? Mm. Like mm-hmm. he's not involved in the business side or the advertising side of The Verge. Like they purposefully keep him away from it. But Marquez is all of it. Yeah. So it was also really interesting to hear how they would talk about it. You know, like Patel will be like, oh, I have no idea what our ad rates are. And Marquez is like, I set them purposefully for reasons. Here's the reasons. <laughs> you know, obviously I'm much more of the new school like you, right? Like we are closer to all of that stuff. Right. Personally, I think it's for the better if your ethics are right. But, you know, that's again, I I've, I've been brought up in that world, so of course it's what I think. <laughs> I understand that the idea of the separation between church and state kind of thing. But I don't think that that really works very well today. But, you know, I still have a conversation for another time. Uh, the Verge have terrible podcast pages. Like, there's no visible episode page for this podcast. Uh, so I put two links in the show notes. The page on The Verge, which is mostly a transcription article of the of the podcast, which is great that they have that. I think that's awesome that they do that. Um, if you want to find it in your podcast player, I recommend just searching for the show. But I have put an Overcast link in, which will take you to the episode. I don't know why they don't make it easy but they don't like the, the audio is embedded on that page, but like they don't really have like podcast pages. They just reproduce everything on a verge page, <laughs> old school, new school. I don't know, man. Uh, it's all weird to me, but this is a very, very, very cool thing. And one of the things that they talk about in this episode, which I'm really intrigued about is like, he's working on a new channel. So he's working on two. One of them is a video version of his podcast, which like, of course, um, and well, but you know, like the, the, he is a YouTuber. They record the show in person in a studio that they've set sure, up. Sure, sure. So why not make a video version of it? Like you have right. the skills, you might as well do that. Um, but he's also working on another channel, and is saying that's like it's going to include people that's not just him. And I, I'm, hmm. I'm really intrigued as to what Marquez is up to. Uh, I think he's probably starting to take the like the Linus Tech Tips model, which, if you're not that familiar, is Linus Sebastian is Linus Tech Tips, but has built a huge group of people, a staff of people, and is building talents of his own inside of the overall brand so they can also produce content. Mm. Because the problem mm. Marquez has is the entire organization is just him right? He's the person on camera and no matter how many more people are behind the scenes, it's limited to what he can produce. But if he's able to build other stars, that increases the overall potential output of the empire. So I expect that that's the route that he's going down. And that's what I think that's what he should do as a business owner to continue to grow his overall portfolio. Like use this platform to help bring new people in and then you know they're able to benefit because it's not just how many videos can Marquez be in <laughs> so he's also hiring a bunch of people right now too I mean clearly something was happening because if you follow him if you follow Marquez he has this absolutely massive studio now oh yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so it was obvious like it, he didn't need all that space just for himself so it seems like he's doing something. I'm really intrigued. Like, so he hired a writer, which is not somebody he's not, he hasn't worked, had any writers on his staff before. Yeah. It's just someone I really look up to. And it's, it was very interesting to hear that. 
and I'm intrigued to see where he's going to go to from there. Yeah, I should check that out. I've heard several people recommend that inter- interview, and so I should I should have a listen. I'm just so mm-hmm. far behind on podcasts. I'm so far behind. This isn't long. I know, I know, but that's all right. All right, so I have a few quick hits for today. Uh, I'm not sure if any of this is really new, but uh, first of all, Drive to Survive is coming back soon. I'm not entirely sure when, but it should be soon because it should be before the next F1 season, which Mike has pointed out to me is when? Uh, March 28th is the first race in Bahrain. So it should be sometime soon. If you don't remember, Drive to Survive was recommended to me by Mike, my parents, maybe both, I don't recall. But um, it's a behind-the-scenes documentary about... Uh, the F1 season that has just transpired. So uh, hypothetically, if I understand things right, it will be the 2020 season Mm -hmm. uh, that will be covered coming up in the next month or two. And it's going to be amazing. There's so many stories to have told about the 2020 season. Mm -hmm. I cannot wait for them. They could could have like an episode about every race and still wouldn't be enough. Agreed. A thousand percent agreed because this past season was bananas. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, so Drive to to Survive was the first thing that really got me interested in F1. Like I, as I've mentioned many times on the show, I have a friend who's been religious about F1 since I met him in 2000 and he would, he would badger me every year. You should watch, you should watch, you should watch, Eh, whatever, whatever. And Drive, Drive to Survive is what really got me into it. And I watched the first two seasons because it's been two so far. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I think so. So yeah, so I watched the first two seasons. I think actually Aaron is probably going to want to watch this season with me because she started to get into F1 and I'm really excited for that. So it should be coming out soon-ish. Yeah. Uh, and I definitely give it my highest recommendation. Such a great PR move for them. I don't think they understood oh, God, yes. or could have expected that they would end up with all of these lapsed or new fans coming back to the sport because of the show. Because it's just a very, very well-made dramatic documentary series, and so it makes it makes F one feel more exciting to people that otherwise would not expect that it was, and more human as well. And yeah. because you get to see a lot of the conflict, the drama, and and obviously it's built up to some degree. Like the the same friend that's been following F one so religiously, he doesn't really care for the show because he feels like it's over dramatized. But as far as I'm concerned, like I'm not a purist about this. Go to town, man. As long as you're not straight up lying, then go to town. Crank up that drama all the way to 11. I'm I'm there for it. Uh, so yeah, so I recommend that. Uh, Letterkenny, uh, the most recent season aired uh, on Christmas or Boxing Day, depending on where you were. Uh, I think I've spoken about this probably on this show, and I just recently did an incomparable about it. Uh, I love Letterkenny. It is such a fantastic, smart, fast, weird show. Uh, I can't say enough good things about it. I strongly recommend it. It's on Hulu in the States. It's on Crave in Canada. And gosh, only knows where it would be anywhere else. But um, but yeah, I really, really strongest recommendation for Letterkenny as well. And then finally, Aaron and I have finally gotten on the Crown bandwagon. We are only a handful of episodes in. I would say don't spoil it, but well, never mind. <laughs> um, it it's is history. very, very good. Yeah, it's history. Exactly. It's very good. Uh, we are enjoying it quite a bit. And I... I plan to stick with it you know until we're caught up uh we're only doing about an episode a day it is not light-hearted viewing like a le- like a letter kenny or a um or ted lasso so i i personally can only do maybe one or two at the most in a day but nevertheless it is very good and it's very well acted and and i'm really enjoying it that's what i got all right i think that's it for today right i think that's it we don't have any pithy fun hilarious thing to end on though do we 
Make one up. I don't have any. Do something now. I'm useless. I got nothing. Now we're now it's now it's just getting awkward. It's even mm-hmm. worse. I shouldn't have said anything. Ah, bye, Mike.